Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. As you notice, we don't have any monitors on, and uh, we had some major malfunctions going on. Keyboard wouldn't play. It was humming. Computers wouldn't talk to each other. They was mad. And uh, I had to sit down and counsel with them. And uh, then uh, the PA was having some problems, and, well, we got it all fixed except the monitors. But we come to have church. Amen. I've learned one thing. Internet don't matter. Don't mean a thing. Cameras don't mean a thing. Having the presence of the Lord in the house means everything. Let's give the Lord another great praise. Praise the Lord. Uh, we are going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to ask the Lord to move in a mighty way. Uh, we do have all of our prayer requests. Uh, we uh, give those out, and uh, we try to pray for each and every one of these every day. Uh, we had three that just popped up here on the list since last week. Let's remember Cassandra Prater, Becky Polly, and Christy Jarrett. Let's remember them in prayer. Also coming up, Archer Park this Friday. Everybody say this Friday. This Friday, Archer Park is going to be the destination for the kids. Anyone under 18 has to have Sister Barb. No, I'm. Just, you have to fill out a form uh, that allows your parents to sign that. And it can't be filled out by the kids. It has to be filled out by the parents or guardian. And we understand sometimes kids have guardians and they have the right to fill that out. So uh, if you don't have that, you can't get on the band. So uh, be sure to uh, uh, have that filled out ahead of time. And also our Christmas party this year is going to be at the Christian Community Center, December the 21st, 6 p.m. through 8 p.m. Waivers are on the back of the church podium. And parents, you need to fill that out before you get there. Uh, because if not, every other kid's going to be playing and your kid's going to be like standing there. Hurry up, Mom. Hurry up, Dad. Let's get it going, right? Is everybody okay? I'm the only one who should be aggravated today. <laughs> I'm the only one that should be kind of a little perturbed and off balance today. But... Uh, uh, you know, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to know that the Lord loves you. Amen. Amen. The Lord loves you. He loves you above everything else. And uh, we also have our New Year's Eve celebration coming up Sunday, December the 31st, 9 p.m. to after midnight. We're going to have communion and foot washing. And that's always the first Sunday of the year. So this year it will be January the 7th. And what we're going to do on January the 7th, we're going to try something new. We're going to have Sunday school like we normally have at 10 a.m. We're going to go home and come back at 6 o'clock, and we're going to have foot washing and communion. And the reason I want to do it that way is because sometimes we have people that come to Sunday school, and uh, they feel 
like they don't want to walk out in the middle of a service and they don't want to participate, so it kind of puts them in an awkward position. So uh, it would be easier for us just to come together and uh, that night at 6 o'clock and we will have communion and foot washing. And that will be one of our first night services on a Sunday night in a long long time. Amen. And I miss Sunday night service. I remember when we first started having day services, I felt like I backslid because I come from a background. You had Wednesday, you had Saturday, you had Sunday morning, you had Sunday night. And if you had a revival, you had all that and worked and still come back. And uh, nobody missed. Nobody uh, said, well, it's just too much. Uh, They would make their way back to the house of the Lord. It's easy to come back to the house of the Lord when you know Jesus is there. Amen. And the reason, you might say, well, I'd like to see something in the Bible about that. Well, there was ten lepers one time. And they got healed of leprosy, all ten of them. Nine of them took off running toward the city saying, I get to go home, I get to see my family, I get to maybe get a job and everything's going to work out. But one turned around and said, I can't go to the city, I can't go to my home, I got to go back to Jesus. And so I'm glad that we have the opportunity to come back to Jesus tonight. And uh, I believe the Lord's going to do something great. So if you have a prayer request just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. There's faith in this house. Let's begin to pray. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the middle of the week where it is a time that your people come together to lift up your name that is above every name. Lord, I pray that you would touch all the children in youth service, all the adults in the adult class, and Lord, you would get glory out of everything we say. All the singers, that they will lift up your name in praise and worship, and all the musicians, that they will make a joyful noise unto you, and the five minutes with Timothy, that it will minister to us, Lord, so that we can see that you love us, you care for us, and you're reaching out to us, and Lord, I know that you're bringing revival, you're bringing revival in the midst, and in spite of it all, you're showing your power to deliver when it seems like no deliverance is coming. You are showing your power of healing when it seems like a death sentence has been given. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, and I ask, Lord, for your blessings to flow tonight in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap as Brother Caleb DeBarge comes. Hallelujah. He's deserving all all praise, all worship. Let's give him some more praise right now. Can we give him some more praise in this place? Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord in the middle of the week. If you agree, say amen. 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 We're going to find ourselves tonight in the good book of Psalms. Psalms 95 and starting at verse 6. And if you're flipping there, as you're flipping there, uh, just a funny story the other day in the middle of my praying. I was telling the Lord that I enter into, as we all know, it's into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. I couldn't get that right. I said, Lord, I enter into your courts with praise. Well, I enter into your house. Well, I enter into your, Lord, I'm, I'm just giving you thanks. 
I'm thankful that I'm, I'm able to come to him. No matter where I'm showing up, no matter where I am, I'm able to be thankful that I can show up in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, I can be there. We can show up. The word of God says, he stands and he knocks. And if you will open unto him, he will come in and sup with you. Once again, Psalms 95 and verse 6, it says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. Someone say, he's my God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, today, if you will hear his voice, let's go before the Lord right now in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence once again. We thank you for the opportunity to be called your people. We thank you for loving us when we didn't feel worthy of love. We thank you for keeping us when we are not promised tomorrow. God, thank you for the opportunity to come in here and be blessed by your spirit, by your presence. Have your way in this place. And the church said amen. amen. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I love the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is full of Psalms meaning songs. The book of Psalms is full of praise. It's full of action and calling people to action. I love this short passage that says, oh, come. It's calling us to action. Whenever it says come, it means to, to begin to move from where you are and come to a certain place. It says, oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Whenever we begin to praise, that is a sacrifice of action. That is a sacrifice of yourself. Whenever you begin to praise, whenever you clap your hands, it is a sacrifice of action. And so whenever you begin to tap your foot or you begin to dance in the presence of the Lord, it is a sacrifice of praise. Right. And why we sacrifice that praise is because the promise of the word of Jesus Christ, the promise of the word of the Holy Bible, it says he inhabits the praise of his people. And whenever he begins to inhabit the praise of his people, that praise turns into sincere worship. So as we begin to hear the psalmist say, Oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We are kneeling out of reverence. We are kneeling out of respect. And we are kneeling out of reverent fear. The fear of not being able to be in the presence of God. Whether you know it or not, you're preparing your soul. Every single day, the actions that you choose are going to dictate where you spend eternity, with God or without Him. So as the psalmist calls us to action, Tonight I call us to action. Oh, come and kneel before the Lord. Oh, come and cry out before the Lord. Oh, come and worship and praise before the Lord and let him inhabit the praise of his people. This is my desire tonight, and I pray it's the desire of the Lord. Our desires should be the desires of the Lord. I grew up hearing he will give you the desires of your heart. And I always misunderstood that, misconstrued it. 
and thought, surely he's saying he will give me what my heart desires. And it, I can't remember who it was, but the Lord revealed to me what that meant was. He will change the desires of your heart. Whenever you allow him to be Lord, which means ruler of your life, the desires begin to change. I no longer want a bass boat. I want to be in the presence of God. I no longer want a mansion on the hill. I want to be in the presence of God. He begins to change the desires, and the desires begin to change your direction. So tonight, just as a psalmist, I call us to action. Oh, come, and let's praise the Lord tonight. Are you going to join us, church? Are you going to join us as we praise and as we worship before the Lord? Let's do that right now.
Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. A lot of people still looking for the Lord of all to show up. But we know that when that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes laid in a manger, it began the process for 33 and a half years of walking upon this earth. And then we know that that life that was given on the cross was for you and me so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn with me. We want to look in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. It's sometimes a story that you have heard, but sometimes stories we hear become something new to us. How many's ever read something more than once and all of a sudden it became new to you? It became new to you. So uh, verse number 1, 2 Kings chapter 5. Everybody say, now Naaman. Now Naaman. Naaman was captain of the host of the king of Syria, and was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Didn't matter what good things he could do, the leprosy was going to take him out. He could have been mighty in valor. As it says, he could have had many things that he helped deliverance come to the kingdom. But his leprosy was going to take him out. This is a story that I think that sometimes we can look at and we can say, the wages of sin is death. Leprosy is a type and shadow of sin. No matter how many battles you win, doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how talented, talented you are. You have to understand that if we're not keeping sin where it should be, and that's out of our life, then we are going to perish just like the uh, way that Naaman would have if life had contended uh, or continued the way that it did. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God 
to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. He was mad and went away and said, Behold, I thought he surely will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Here's anti-Semitism. This is why when you hear today the words anti-Semitism, it's, it's one big long word. When you begin to hear that, you know that it's against Israel. Everybody thought everything in Israel was useless was dirty, was something that uh, they treated as less than good. And that's why you understand when you read this, he's not wanting to go dip seven times in Jordan because that's in Israel. Why do I have to go to Israel? He's anti-Israel. That's right. He's anti-Israel. And now he says, I've got some rivers in my own place that are more pure, more refreshing, and they are cold waters that come out of the mountains and they're clear. Are not there better rivers where I am from? That was not what the command was because we have to understand that we might think that things should be done one way or the other, but when God says do something, even if we don't understand it, even if we say there's a better way of doing it, we better do it God's way. Amen. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord. Notice it says his God, not my God. And strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all? Everybody say all. All the waters of Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. I want to speak to us about this little maid. She had a message. I think it's, it's, uh, it's kind of astounding that this little maid had influence to tell people who are mighty in battle, kings, others, that they need to listen to the prophet. They need to go to somebody who knows God. I think it's interesting. This little maid is not mentioned. And that way we can put our names in that place of that little maid. God has called all of us to go out. It doesn't matter how mighty someone is, 
how important someone is, how rich someone is, how poor someone is. It doesn't matter if they have influence or position. He's asked us and commanded us to go out and tell them that if they really want to know what the Word of God says, if they really want to know what it takes to be saved, they're going to have to find a church that preaches what the Bible says and upholds the Word of God. I believe that tonight we're going to find out there is a voice, no matter how small it may seem, there is a voice still speaking to power, speaking truth to power, that they need to listen to someone who knows about the Lord. So I want to entitle this Speaking Truth to Power. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, because you're so good to us. We thank you, Lord, because your word is forever settled in heaven. What is written is written. It can't be changed. It's for our learning. It's our schoolmaster. It is to help us understand that in 2023 and almost 2024 that we still have direction in your word that is just as modern as it has ever been. Lord, I pray that you would help us as your people today that we would find that our voice may be small compared to some, but we still have the voice that can direct people to you. Lord, we're going to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. And you may be seated. Before I get into the details of this, I think that we understand this little maid is just that, a maid. She is young, she's inexperienced, but they noticed something about her because she came from Israel. And all this king and all of Naaman and all of his ability and uh, power and uh, his valor and all these things, he, he was mighty and he was winning battles, but we find that Bible says he was a leper. That's very important because it, it began to put a cog in the wheel. It put a snare in his resume. It, it was something that when people looked at him and said, yeah, he's a good fighter, but he's got leprosy. You can't get around him. You got to remember people that had leprosy couldn't get around other people. They had to stay clear of other people. It's like when people got COVID, you don't want to get up in their face and start breathing all their air in, right? So it was like that with leprosy. You did not want to get around somebody with leprosy because leprosy Leprosy was very contagious as well as deadly. It was a death sentence when somebody said you had leprosy unless they went to somebody like a priest and he prayed over them and the Lord from glory began to heal them. They had a death sentence upon them. I wish that somehow we would understand tonight that there was a death sentence placed upon each of us, but the Lord from glory came and pronounced us clean. He pronounced us clean. He pronounced us clean. So I look at this little maid. She is not a warrior. She's not someone who has the ability to battle armies. She's just a little girl from Israel. 
Now, I want you to know that it doesn't matter how little someone is. Doesn't matter how unimportant people look to others. Doesn't matter if they look at you and say, well, you're just a person in a community of Phelps, a small town. They can't even get sunshine popped in there. You got to remember, you know the God of the Bible. Ah, I wish I had a little response to that because there's a lot of people that says that you don't have what it takes. You've got to get the theological degree. You've got to uh, connect up with churches that have all sorts of organizational ties and you have to just make sure that you're going to the right Bible college and you're getting the right education because if you don't have none of that, then you are literally looked at upon as nothing. But I'd rather know Jesus than to have the biggest degree in theology I'd rather know Jesus uh, the little maid was from Israel and that's all it took for them to say oh we better listen to this little maid because this little maid is from Israel she has something to say and she's saying that if you will just get to the prophet I know somebody who can pray over this person and Naaman's going to be made whole leprosy's going to leave everything's going to change I don't know about you but we ought to be thanking the Lord above that we have a church that preaches truth, stands for truth and is not out for popularity or pomp or trying to get somebody to like us I'd rather know Jesus and let the world go by I'd rather know Jesus and not have any accolades or reputation because this little maid, it was not even worthy to mention her name. Now there's a lot of things plays into that because women were not prominent in biblical days. That's why you find that a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, women were uh, not mentioned by name. Uh, they didn't hold... Uh, high positions and things like that. There was different things played into that. But this little maid knew enough about the Lord. But more than that, she knew enough about a man of God. The Bible says we got to know them that labor among us. People that are charismatic doesn't necessarily mean they have the goods. People that shout don't mean they have the Holy Ghost. People that are the biggest worshipers sometimes are the biggest sinners. We have to know them that labor among us. This little girl knew about the prophet. Naaman, he was a captain, but that didn't mean anything. He was a man uh, that was honorable, but that didn't mean nothing. And he was one that won many battles, deliverance uh, unto Syria he was also a mighty man of valor, but the Bible ends verse 1 with, but he was a leper. You know, sometimes being titled in this world is all we believe about ourselves. People look at us and say, but you're Jesus only. But you're apostolic. But you're Pentecostal. But you are just unlearned and ignorant. You 
don't have a degree. I remember one time I was talking to somebody who was in the upper echelon of society, and they looked at me and they said, where did you get your theological degree from? And I said, nowhere. Oh, you're self-taught. As if that was something bad. I don't find anywhere except Paul who went and learned all about the law and sat under Gamaliel and, and uh, all of these things. But I believe that there were others that were educated in other ways. But it doesn't take the upper echelon of what society thinks in order for us to believe in Jesus. I believe that sometimes... Uh, I was listening to a congresswoman and she said that she homeschooled her kids. And uh, she was naming off what they was doing. Said uh, some of them's doctors and some of them's lawyers and all of that. So all these people that look at you as a child of God and says, you need to put your kid in Harvard and you need to put your kid in the best school, get them out of Phelps and take them somewhere to Pikeville. You need to get them out of school and get them in this right environment. No, you need to get them in the house of God. You need to get them in the house of God. Because I'm going to tell you, we have to counter just about everything they learn out there. The church has to counter about everything they learn out there. Because what they learn out there is nothing but secular knowledge. They need to have spiritual knowledge. They need to understand where their help comes from. They need to be faithful and believing. They need to understand that if they find themselves with their own leprosy, it may be cancer, it may be some other disease, and they find themselves with that, that they know enough to get where they know the Lord is. Because it's not going to be the educated and the secular world that is able to help you in your most desperate hour. Naaman needed a healing. He wanted to continue to be a captain. He wanted to continue to have valor. He wanted to continue to win battles. But he wasn't going to do it if leprosy took him out. Because leprosy rots the body. Leprosy rots the body. If you get leprosy in your feet, your feet and toes fall off. If you get leprosy in your hands, your fingers fall off. If you get leprosy on your face, your ears, nose will fall off. This is a hideous disease. It's a disease that eats the flesh. Did you know that there was just in the news the other day that there is an upswing of leprosy, not in the third world countries, but in America? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was central Florida. Think about that. That we're living in a day where we have penicillin, we have ampicillin, we have all sorts of cillins. Moxicillin. We got all sorts of antibiotics. And yet leprosy is still able to get through. 
I think about that and I think about how many churches are standing and preaching the word of God. Preaching that sin will give you death. And if you're going to live, you're going to have to repent of your sins and get rid of it. But yet with all of the formats that we have, there's still people that are letting sin eat them up. I think sometimes we forget how dangerous sin is. If somebody said sin will kill you, we would not be around sin if we truly believed it. We all know that AIDS kills, right? We all know that cancer kills. We all know that there's other diseases that if you get sepsis in your blood, you're going to die. Right? All those things are true. But the thing that kills people that we fail to see the danger of is sin. We're living in a world that thinks sin is a game. They play this game with sin. I'm going to see how many Russian roulettes of sin I can play until it gets me. I'm going to go out in the world. I'll come back to the Lord. After all, they need me in the church. When you start thinking the church needs you, wake up. You are not needed at all. That got some heads perking up. And it's true. Because if you are so high-minded and heady that you think the church can't exist without you, then you are no good to the church. But if you're one of these little maids, one of these little people that don't even care if people know your name, Don't even care if people know your name. They just know that you know Jesus. And they know that you love Jesus. And they know that you come to church and you worship and you praise. And you go home and and you live the life away from church just like you live it at church. There's something that should stir us. Sin kills. It kills. But look at this as we go through this. We find that Naaman is a leper. We find that at this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was this young girl. And this young girl who had been with Naaman's wife or given to Naaman's wife as a maid. She's a house cleaner. She's an errand girl. She's not in the kingdom to be lifted up. She says, go get my supper. Go get my dinner. And the little maid has to go get it. She's told, you bring my outfit to me. You go wash that. You go cleanse that. You do that. And that's all the little maid done. She was away from her homeland. But I I started realizing something about the people of God is that in the Old Testament, they taught their children how to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. They taught them. This little maid was away from her family, away from church, away from her homeland, but yet she's still talking about how to get healed. 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they're away from their home. They're just teenagers. It'd be easy for teenagers to be persuaded. Well, you know what? You're away from home. Nobody knows you here. Nobody sees you. Come on, let's just uh, worship and praise and dance and, and, and just have a good time. Right? Right. They refused. Teenagers refused to bow. One thing. I have understood about the people of God in the Old Testament. They taught their children to love the Lord. One thing I have seen that America has failed to do is to teach our children to love the Lord. We teach them to love sports. We teach them to love race car. We teach them to love fishing, hunting, all sorts of other stuff, right? We, we do. We teach our children. You, if you're going to be a man, you got to do this in life. If you're going to be a woman, you got to do this in life. When really, we shouldn't be worried about none of the secular stuff. We should be worried about instilling in our children the Word of God. So that when they get in a place where they're not around mommy and daddy, maybe they're at college, maybe they're at another uh, community, maybe they move away and get a job and have, find themselves in a place where they don't know where to go to church, that they still have something instilled in them that they will not let it go. They still love the Lord. They still will tell people, I can get you to a church where you can get healed. I'll get you to a church uh, where you can get saved. I'll get you to a church where your life can be forever changed. That's what we are missing in America. Now I'd like to say that all apostolic churches we do so well at uh, educating our children but I'm sorry we don't. We've got kids in Sunday school that when they get up in the teen class they don't know half the Bible stories. They don't know half the scriptures. They don't know how to find a book in the Bible. Where have we failed? It starts at the house. It starts at the house. Because we expect the preacher to line everybody out. We expect them to be educated in one hour's service. No, it starts at home. Somebody was having trouble one time getting their kid to mind and behave in church. I said, start at home. That's right. Oh, no, I let them run at home. Well, that's the problem. They think they can run anywhere. Guarantee one thing. You set little Johnny down on the couch and you say, don't move for 10 minutes. Or you get corrected. Little Johnny may try it once. I guarantee if you keep your word, he won't try it again. I believe that we've got to understand something about this little maid and about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about Daniel, about others. They were not afraid to stand for the Lord. We're going to have to get back to teaching our children. You, you might say, well, my child goes to a, a public school. That's great. That's great. But you need to have homeschool in biblical standards. You need to set your child down and start teaching them the Word of God, having some homeschool. 
Uh, I know, I know, I know it's ain't popular because we want our kids to be the most popular and the best. And, and, and if, we, if we try to teach them to serve the Lord at a young age, when they get old, they'll go wild and they'll do this and they'll do that. I, I don't know how you explain the rest of society, millions and millions and millions upon millions of people that were not raised in church that are wild as a buck. I don't know how you explain that. But that's the first thing comes out of stupid mouths. You're too strict on them. You did too much. You expected too much. I've had people say, oh, pastor, you expect too much of your church. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this right now, straight-eyed to you, looking at you, not down my nose at you. I have to look down my nose because it's so big. But I will tell you this. I'd rather you do more than you have to do to get into heaven than to stand on judgment day and hear him say, you didn't do it. I'd rather you do overkill than to rise up on judgment day and the Lord say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But Lord, I got baptized in your name. Don't mean nothing. There's going to be a lot of people baptized in Jesus' name going to be in hell where the fire never is quenched. Just because you do something and go to a certain church, that'd be like saying, well, praise God. You know, I, I, go, I go to, uh, you know, uh, Phelps High School. So I am the the you know, educated by the greatest in Phelps. I, I, I am a Phelpian. I can do this. I'm this. I'm that. Because I'm from Phelps. You know what? There was a coach of mine one time, and he told me this. He said, I'm from Pikeville. And I said, so? He thought that was something great. I looked at him when I moved over here. And, and he said, I'm from Pikeville. I said, I'm from Elkhorn. He went, <laughs> what does that mean? I said, same thing what you said. It just tell them where you're from. What are you saying? I'm saying there's a difference in saying you're from somewhere and representing from where you are from. This little girl just didn't say I'm an Israelite. She represented what it meant to be an Israelite. I'd like to clarify today that we can't just sit on apostolic pews and say we're apostolic and we're Pentecostal and we got our minds made up and we're on our way and expect the world to just look at us and say, okay, you must be the real deal. We have to live it. We have to speak it. We have to walk it. We have to talk it. We have to be what we represent. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. But there's something here that began to stir me because this little girl, her name's not even mentioned, but she knew and was educated enough with her mom and dad and her church back home that she began to tell Naaman, I know somebody that can help you. 
How many times do people from this area run into others when they move away? I mean, we have all sorts of people in Lexington, Georgetown, uh, different places that have moved away, Tennessee, different places have moved away. How many people' lives have been touched by somebody who moved into that area away from everybody else but still had enough God to say, I know how you can get help. A co-worker come to work and tears streaming down their face and say, I got a bad report. Do they have enough God in them to where they can say, I know a church. I've never been there, but I know a church that believes in healing and believes in the Word of God. I can send you to them. We need to start sending people to church. What's the first thing people ask when they got a problem? Do you know a good doctor? You know, my elbow's hurting. Do you know a good, what is them bone doctors called? Orthopedic. <laughs> you know a good orthopedic surgeon? Oh, man, you'll get all sorts of things. People say, yeah, Dr. Shockey. I better quit naming names. Say, oh, yeah, Dr. No, <laughs> Dr. Yes. They're all great. They're good. And then you get the worst. They say, no, you don't want to go to that doctor. I went to him and look at me. <laughs> and I thought, you went to an orthopedic? You'll get that after a while. Still a plastic surgeon. I'm sorry. <laughs> This little girl, <laughs> she had been taught enough to love God away from home. And she told Naaman, if you want to be healed of leprosy. And you know what? I think this is interesting that she never doubt. She hadn't been around the prophet in a while. She hadn't been back home around the church folk. But she still had faith that people were still serving the Lord. Now, we got to get out of this mentality that we'll just quit church when we want to and start church when we want to. We got to have a made up mind. I, once I repent, I'm in. I'm in. Look at somebody and say, I'm in. I'm in. Because I don't want to be in today and out next week or in this year and out next year this little maid had enough faith that she believed that the prophet was still serving God why she didn't see foolishness I know we see foolishness in the world today that's the fools you stay away from but there's still some real people look, look in front of you behind you to the side to the left to the right real people People that love Jesus. People that love the Lord. That's right. I, I thought about this because it, it, it intrigued me that uh, this, this little maid had so much faith, so much faith, that Elisha was still serving the Lord. You know, I, 
I've had people come up to me and they ask about so-and-so and they say, are they still in church? And some people I say, yeah, they're still in church, serving the Lord, doing good. And unfortunately, some people I have to say, no, they're not in church anymore. They chose the world. They, they chose to go the way of, of, of the world. They didn't love the Lord enough to stay with Him. And it's true. This little girl had enough faith in Elisha that she knew he would still be serving the Lord. Now my question for us tonight is, are we in a place with the Lord that people will know we're still serving the Lord today, tomorrow, next year, next year, and the year after, and the year after? Will people know... Will they have enough faith to know we're still going to be there? I hope that we have that, that faith that we're going to continue on with the Lord. Because I'll tell you something. I've heard people say this about preachers. They, they say, are you still preaching? What else am I supposed to be doing? Still pastoring? What else am I supposed to be doing? Oh, I figured for sure you'd be out riding bicycles now. <laughs> I figured for sure that, that you know, you, you wouldn't be, you know, uh, preaching anymore. You'd just be letting somebody else do it. What am I supposed to be doing? What are you supposed to be doing? Amen. We're supposed to be servants of the Most High God. And we're supposed to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're supposed to be like this little maid. I know I can send you to Brother Larry and he'll pray for you. And everything's going to be all right. I can send you to Sister Joy and she'll pray over you. Everything's going to be all right. I can send you to Sister Barb and she's going to believe God for you. And everything's going to... Do we still have that reputation? This little maid... Didn't even hesitate. She didn't even question. Well, now I put myself on the line because I told him to go to Elisha and he would pray over him and, and, and he would be healed of this leprosy. That's how much faith she had in the man of God. How much faith do you have in your man of God? Oh, I know. I can't have faith in man. Man, man will let you down. Yes, he will. Do you believe Elijah, Elisha let Anybody down? Why? Because he was faithful. You can put your trust in faithful people. It's them fly-by-night, charismatic cowboys, them people that come in and start a church and they run 150 and a year later everybody's scattered because they got in some scandal with a piano player. Or worse, police called him in a van with another man. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This ain't made up stories. But I'm glad that that little maid had enough faith in Elisha that she said, Naaman, if you want healed of your leprosy, go to Elisha. Go to the prophet. Everything's going to be all right. So... Naaman got the leave, and he went. He had to have a letter to go. 
So he went. Well, you know what the king of Israel thought. King of Israel, once he read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God? <laughs> and all the letter was saying to the king of Israel was, Let Naaman come into your kingdom and see Elisha. That's all it said. It wasn't saying, let Naaman come into your kingdom. He's captain. He's, he's got valor. He's a warrior. He wins battles. And he's, he's probably defeated you a few times. But he's got leprosy. Let him see the man of God. You see, that is why he looked and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does sin unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? It didn't even ask him. That's where royalty and high-mindedness gets in the way. You read something and you don't even know what you read. He read a letter that said, Let Naaman see the prophet. Am I God? I can't heal him. It ain't supposed to be you. How many times do we, do we read something and we say, But I thought it said that. Have you ever read a sign or read something and you thought it said one thing, but it said something else? I've done that several times. Read something and I thought, well, I thought that said, you know, this. Didn't even come close. But you know what? The king said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. That's all the reason he's here is make trouble. Not everybody that shows up on your doorsteps to make trouble. Not everybody that comes to you is coming for trouble. Some people need direction to a man of God. Some people need a direction to how to get healed. Some people need direction how to get saved. So some people come up, I never will forget, I was, I was uh, driving a church van many, many, many years ago. This guy's staggering out in the middle of the road, and he is staggering all over the road, and he's uh, flagging me down, and uh, some on the van said, Lord, oh, Brother Richard, you better not stop, that guy's drunk. <laughs> so I did what all righteous van drivers do. Right by him. Everybody's at ease on the, on the van. Everybody's feeling safe and secure. I go pick up who I got to pick up, and then I got to come right back by him again. So I come back by, and this time, he ain't on the side of the road. He's in the middle of the road. He's doing this. So you have to stop or kill somebody. So I stop, and I roll the window down. I say, may I help you, sir? He said, uh, what time does church start? <laughs> you know what? After I picked myself up out of the floorboard, because I felt about that big, I said, it starts at 6.30. He said, I want you to pick me up next Sunday for church. He was flagging me down because he wanted to go to church. And he did go to church. And he got back in. And when he died, he died in the church. 
But what if I'd remained ignorant? See, sometimes we don't realize that the Lord puts people even in the middle of the road on us for us to help them. Naaman needed help. The little maid was one that uh, was going to direct him to one that could help him. So when this began to unfold, the king of Israel, of course, saying, Am I God to kill, make alive, and so forth. He just come to make trouble. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me. And he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, I, I like this statement. But this statement said today would be looked at as arrogant and self-righteous. Right? Brother Dwayne needs healed. Oh. You just let Brother Dwayne come to me and I'm going to anoint him with oil and pray over him and he's going to be made whole. Now how does that sound? Arrogant and self-righteous. But when you know what you know and when you got the goods, you don't care what others think because you're not going to send them to somebody that can't help them. That's why I never understood people be looking for a church to go to and they say, well, I heard that there's a church over in Pipe that's booming right now. Why not come to Phelps? <laughs> well, you know, I heard this, this, this church over there got a lot of young people. We ain't got too many, so they got a lot. You need to send them over there. Why not? So it kind of sounds arrogant. Elisha said, send him to me. And I will let him know there is a prophet in Israel. Most of the time that wording goes like this. You send him to me and I'll let him know there is a God in Israel. But he says I want him to know there's a prophet in Israel. There's somebody that is talking to God. Somebody led of God. Somebody who is doing God's work in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house. He's thinking Elisha's going to come out, going to lay his hands on him. Everything's going to be fine. I mean, it's going to be a big display. And they're all going to just shout and run around the, uh, the horses and the chariots. And they're just going to have a good time. But Elisha don't even show up. Elisha stays in the house. He sends a messenger out. And says, go wash in Jordan. And I want you to do it seven times. And your flesh will be made whole. It will come again to thee. And thou shalt be clean. Go wash in Jordan seven times. Naaman got mad. Well, praise God. Here I made this trip. I brought all sorts of money. I brought raiment. I've got gifts. This is going to pay my doctor bill. And here I show up, and you mean to tell me he's 
not even got enough gumption to come out of there and pray for me and lay his hands on me and pray for me. He is mad. People get mad if you don't have church like they think you should have church. <laughs> People get mad if you don't have church like they think you Oh, well, praise God, you got to have church this way, and you got to have church that way. And if you have some real church... I've heard people call this a baby church. They've called it a, a, a pretend church. It's just not even a church, not recognized as a church. And when they say that, they're saying that about you. And I'm thinking, oh, you got to be kidding. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is. This is where we feel the power of the Holy Ghost. This is where, we, yes, we shout, we praise, we worship, we have a good time. But we also know that when it comes time for somebody to get delivered or healed, we get serious about it. I've even had people say, why don't Brother Richard set his base down and go pray for people when they come up to get prayer? Well, we got two preachers. Do I need to lay my physical hand upon you? If that was the case, Elisha would have had to come out of the house. He sent his messenger, said, you do this and everything's going to be all right. Well, I thought he would come out and that he would come to me and that he would began to stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. I thought for sure that's the way it would be. But Elisha stayed right in the house and the messenger gave him the instruction, here comes the little maid again. Little maid. Here she comes again. And she said, you know what? If the man of God's told you to do something... You should do it. All these people that think preachers ain't got no authority, they ain't got no sense. They ain't read their Bible. You've got to understand that preachers don't just stand up and tell you to do something because they're on this power trip. I don't tell you to live holy because I want to control you. I tell you to live holy because He's holy. I tell you to live holy or you're going to die and go to hell. Holiness or hell, remember those messages? Remember those messages? I tell you to live right, talk right, be right. Read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. So, the little maid, first of all, all of this is just some great thing that starts to happen. He gets mad and he says, there's better rivers in Damascus. My home place, Abana and Farpar. I looked up these rivers. These rivers, Abana, is a river that comes and it's identified and it descends and flows through Damascus in seven streams. Seven is God's complete number. It flows in seven streams. It literally means the cold. Why? Because when mountain streams come out of the mountain down into the valley, it's cold. Go up in the breaks on an 85-degree day 
and go to one of the waterfalls or the water coming out of the mountain and see how warm it is. It's cold. Refreshing. So that's what Abana means. I need to go back home because that, that stream, is, it, it, it just flows and it's so crystal clear and cool and cold. It's just a great river. I need to go there. He said, but there is another river. Uh, Farpar is the name of this one. It's a swift river. Both rivers have clear water, being mountain streams. Jordan is deep, sluggish, dirty, discolored, muddy. You see, we always want the clean and pristine. Oh, Lord, send us the clean and pristine people. No, send me the people like Jordan. They're muddy. They're messed up. They ain't got it together. They, they don't look like they've even got it together. Send us those folks so that we can introduce them to the one that can take care of their problems. It, it's not the pristine mountain streams. It's not, it's not the, the, the waterfalls that you look at in all the beauty of the scenery of the mountains, but it is in the muddy Jordan that you're going to go dip seven times. But I don't want to dip in the muddy Jordan. I've got better rivers back home. The problem is Damascus was not the place of the miracles. Damascus was not the place, if you will, of this miracle. It was going to be in muddy Jordan. And if we're not careful, we'll be just like Naaman. And we will get so anti-Semitic that we don't want to listen to God. We don't want to follow Jesus. And we think somehow there's a better way for us to get to heaven. But I thought how interesting these two rivers are fresh, clear, cool, cold, rushing, swift waters. That's where I want to go wash in my hometown the way I want to do it. We can't have church the way we want to do it. We can't be saved the way we want to do it. We'll never be blessed the way we want to be blessed. We have to do it God's way. If you don't do it God's way, you're just wasting your time. You got to do it God's way. Go to the muddy Jordan. Well, the messenger said you got to go. Little maid, if, if the man of God's told you something, then you need to just do it. His servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet... And, and I'm sorry, it's his, his, uh, his uh, servants came near and said, If the prophet had bid thee to, to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? In other words, if it was something out of the way, something strange, you let somebody come in here and preach and, and walk the pews and people think that's just the most awesome message ever preached in, in church. You let somebody come in and, 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 and they spit in your face and put their fingers in your ears and, and shake your head until your brain rattles. And people say, "Woo! I feel that. I can't even stand up. Must be in the Spirit. 
No, your inner ear's messed up now. <laughs> but, but, but we find that they said, if, if, he, if he told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, wash and be clean, something simple, even though it's a dirty river, you know what he did? Then he went down. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going down. And he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And when he come back up in the muddy water, finally washed away from his eyes and he wiped his eyes and he, he tried to get the sand and the mud and tried to get some clear vision. The first thing he saw was his hands. They were healed. No more leprosy. No more leprosy. He started looking, and, and I'm sure he started rolling up sleeves and looking, and no more leprosy. And he's looking at his feet, and no more leprosy. And, and I don't think at that moment that he decided that Jordan was too muddy. I think he decided, whatever God asked me to do, I'm going to do. I've come tonight on a Wednesday night. Whatever the Lord wants me to do tonight, I'm going to do. If he wants me to sing, I'm going to sing. If he wants me to clap my hands, I'm going to clap my hand because I don't know the healings that are going to flow in this place tonight if we will only do what God has called us to do. I know there's people that need healing in this house. I know there is. What healings could happen if we just listen to God? It may not be a Sunday night when everything's right, a Sunday day when the music's right, the singing's right, everybody's right. It may be on a Wednesday night when we have heard just a Bible lesson that somebody's going to get their miracle. Somebody's going to get their healing. We're going to do what God said. God said all we got to do is ask and we can receive. It's that simple. There's nothing, there's nothing complicated. You don't have to go to Bible college to do it. You don't have to understand all the Bible to do it. All you got to do is ask and receive. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You are hoping that something's going to happen tonight. You're hoping for your healing. You're hoping for deliverance. You're hoping you'll have a better day tomorrow than you had today. We're going to ask singers and musicians to come. It was just as simple as him going and dipping seven times in muddy Jordan. Now my question in closing is this. You think when he dipped once, he kind of looked at his hands and saw the leprosy still there and thought, this ain't going to work. I've wasted my time coming to Elisha's house. Do you think that maybe somebody said, well, dip again, because you got dipped seven times. And he dipped again, he got back up, and he's saying, ah, nothing's changed. I'm still the same. They said, but you've only dipped twice. Dip again the third time, and he dipped the third time, and 
Then all of a sudden he comes up and he looks again. He says, I'm still a leper. This ain't going to work. God ain't going to heal me. The prophet should have come out. I knew he should have come out and laid hands on me. They said, dip again. Four times he dipped. And then five times. And then six times. Six times being the number of man. But on the seventh, God's perfect way of doing things. He come up the sixth time, he's still seeing what man sees, nothing. He's still seeing leprosy. He's still seeing nothing's changed. We come to church sometimes on a Sunday and we say nothing's changed. We come back on a Wednesday, nothing's changed. We come back next Sunday, nothing changes. We come back another Wednesday, nothing changes. But the Lord is saying, if you'll do what I ask you to do, uh, you're going to come out of a Wednesday night service uh, made whole, strong, and vibrant, and victorious. Anybody ready to have victory over the enemy? Is anybody ready to have, hallelujah, revival in the house? Oh, you're going to come out of this on the seventh time. He dipped himself. He come up and he realized, I am whole. Don't ever come to a Wednesday night service and say it's just a Wednesday night service. It's just a service. It's just something we do in the middle of the week. No, there's some people who don't even care about Wednesday anymore. It's just Wednesday. Oh, we don't have to get up on Sunday morning and come to Sunday school. It's just Sunday school. It's just Sunday school. See, when we quit listening to the commandments of the Lord... We are like Naaman. We keep seeing the leprosy. We keep seeing nothing changes. We keep seeing that there's still the same problems. We go home, have the same problems. Why? Because we didn't follow through with the Word of God. Oh, I wish I had a little help. We, we go home and we still are, are, are spaced out and, and, and bottomed out and overwhelmed and over, overworked and, and, and we just feel like that everything's falling apart in our life because we didn't follow through with what God said. What did God say? I could start telling you a lot of stuff God said. God said, speak to the mountain. I just can't seem to get past this. Well, you got to start speaking to the mountain. Don't speak to the preacher. Don't speak to the singers. Don't say, sing that song one more time, and I think I can get through this. No, you speak to the mountain. If you don't do what God says, it don't matter. If it's a messenger, a little maid, or the prophet. If you ain't going to do what the Word of God says, you ain't getting nothing from God. Right? God's told me to tell this church, if you want revival, it's here. It's obtainable tonight. If you want healing, it's here. It's for you tonight. If you seemingly can't get through something, your valley, you're stuck in depression, you can get out of depression tonight. I don't care what you're up against. I don't care what you're going through. I don't want you going home with the same situation that you came with. Naaman went home different than he came. Not because of Elisha. 
Not even because of the messenger or the little maid. But because he followed the direction of God. I'm glad it's not in my hands whether you get victory or not. Your victory lies within you being obedient to the Lord. Doing what He says. If you're tired of going home the same way you come. If you're tired of dealing with the same old stuff every day. You wake up, you're going through the same worry, the same stuff. Here's the message from the messenger. Do what God says. Victory's coming.